0: to another episode of the fire caves a star trek deep space nine
1: podcast
0: i'm one of your hosts perry
1: and i'm your host david tonight we're talking about season two episode 26 the jim hadar before we continue you can find us on twitter facebook spotify and apple podcasts as the fire caves a star trek deep space nine podcast
0: Absolutely. And as I say every week, you should find us and follow us because we are a good time. We're a riot. Um, been a little lax this past week on keeping things updated uh, Twitter-wise, but there's just been so many other things going on that really just haven't gotten to um, be out there as much. But don't worry, uh, coming back in full force this week, and we have some special stuff planned for you uh, next week. So you're going to have to tune in to hear it all. So you. find us, follow us. <laughs> But as David said, we are here to talk about season two, episode 26. 26, the final episode of this season, back yep. when seasons ran for 26 episodes. <laughs> now, now you've got shows that do 10 to 12, maybe 13 if you're lucky. So you're getting half the content. Yeah, if you um, get 16, yeah,
1: you should feel spoiled. 26 I, is an yeah. absolute luxury.
0: <laughs> now, in all fairness, you know, many of the actors who have been on these shows have come out to talk about the grueling conditions, working 18 plus hours, some of them in costume, makeup, they got to get up and put all that stuff on. On and then they're wearing it all day and reshoots and touch-ups and all of it. I'm sure that it can be nerve-wracking. I mean, we as fans are like, man, we would kill for that experience. But, I mean, if you think about it, any job that you do that's kind of, you know, that, that kind of repetitive and grueling or whatever else, 18 hours a day, five, six, seven days a week, it's going to seem like a lot. So right. I can kind of understand. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to do it (laughs) on some level, but at the same time, I I get it. But, yeah, I mean, it just cracks me up because, like, we have shows, like, now um, Discovery is getting ready to start um, season five, I think. But each uh, season was only, like, again, 12 episodes long. So they will have to run for almost, you know, double and then some to reach the number of episodes that other shows have already done. Right. So um, interesting. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what they all do. But uh, before we dive into the episode tonight, David, how was your week?
1: It was fine. Uh, Not much to report on my end, but we did uh, on Wednesday of this week, we did not go into work. All of our stores were closed and we had a boat party. You know, people could drink and get in the water. Uh, unfortunately, here in Austin, it's, we're in a drought, and it's pretty. The, the, our lake is pretty low. It was mm-hmm. noticeably low, but we found a spot that was, you know, still deep enough to have some fun. Uh, the water was, you know, that warm, and whenever you get to like a cool spot, it was great. Um, I, <laughs> I tried to put enough sunscreen on so I didn't get sunburned, but I missed my shoulders, and so I have some giant red, itchy shoulders. <laughs> they are ready to peel here pretty soon. I'm sure they're gonna be nasty. Um, but had a good time with the, uh, the bow party that day. Other than that, things are pretty normal. Uh, Westworld is still great. Uh, the, the last episode was really interesting. Um, looking forward to the one, uh, the next one and, uh, hoping that it can t- continue to build on what they're doing now. This, this season has more reminders to me of the first season in some ways than some of the other seasons have had. So I think that's in its favor, uh, for that reason, but other than that, not much else. Uh, how about you? What's new?
0: Well, um, trying to stay up on doing a lot of different things here just to keep myself from going crazy. Like, as you said, you know, Texas, it's very hot right now. We're in a drought. There's been all these things going out about, you know, not using certain electrical things during peak hours of the day to conserve and to also take some of the load off of our struggling um, energy network here. Right. Um, we still haven't really recovered from the ice storm that we had which was what was that a year ago year and a half ago? Yeah. A year and a half ago. Yep. So yeah, we're uh we're still uh, struggling with the effects of that. Um but in addition to that like I told you guys last week, I started pickling things because it was just something that I wanted to try and you know what? It's great. I I mean <laughs> it's a whole new like f- like flavor thing that I haven't really experienced before. I did um Uh, shaved carrots, just as like an experiment, and I enjoyed it. But, you know, I said that there were some things that I had started to pickle and then we're going to be ready at the end of the week. Well, this is the end of the week. I tried the pickled carrots for the first time, and they were just baby carrots shoved in the the jar with the pickling solution, and they were fantastic. They were absolutely fantastic. Like, you still get your carrot taste and everything like that, but it was like a nice – there was this, I don't know – uh, it's kind of a spicy Christmas to it that I just really enjoyed. So now it's just like everything's getting pickled. And so now I'm trying to figure out different <laughs> ways to do it because I was looking up stuff and like there's stuff in there about like pickling, you know, fruits and stuff, which I didn't think was possible. I yeah. thought fruits was just, you know, or not fruits, but I thought pickling was traditionally for vegetables vegetables. yeah you know uh certain certain meats of course you know i've heard about the the infamous pickled egg i don't think i'll go that far (laughs) but you know but again i didn't really hear about um fruits mainly because of the vinegar content that you have to use in the pickling but apparently there's a way to do it so i don't know what that way is yet i'm gonna look into it might try it out because i've got like a massive number of strawberries for some reason So you know might figure that out um, but yeah, doing that, um, started writing again, uh, which felt great because it's been oh. so long. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, had, you know, David and I, we've talked, you know, you know, I started certain stories at certain points, you know, and just after a while, I just kind of like lost the desire, I guess, but it's kind of come back. And so I've been, you know, getting into that a whole lot. And, um, then of course work, I've Done a bunch of stuff over time, whatever. So really it's just been about me doing like a lot, being very productive <laughs> right this past week. So okay. I'm hoping to ride that out and I'm hoping like next week or not it's gonna be like, Ugh, I don't feel like doing anything. But you know, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't happen. Right. We're gearing up for, you know, uh school to start again. School starts on uh, August sixteenth. I'll have a second grader to contend with,
1: so she's
0: (laughs) real excited. We did some preliminary um, back to school shopping uh, yesterday. You know, some new clothes and and things like that. But we tend—I want to knock all that stuff out, like at least a week before. You know, right. So, still got some time. Still gearing up. Looking forward to that. And then, of course, we were doing all the prep because I have uh, a really good friend of mine is coming to town. And we'll be here, uh, well, this coming weekend. And uh, we'll be here just for three days, three short days. But um, we're looking forward to that as well. So gotcha. hopefully we can, you know, have a good time.
1: Cool. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention, you're talking about pickling, reminding me. Um, last night, a friend of mine is moving out of town uh, for a job and school stuff. And so he uh, invited some of us to come have dinner, and he paid for it. He took us to a Brazilian steakhouse, uh, Fogo de Chao. Nice, which is is, uh, Perry. I think you've been there. Was that yes? I have been there. Yes, Yes. I have been there. So as soon as he told me that that's where he was taking us, I was like, "I'm there." I'd already agreed to go, but then he was Mm -hmm. like, "I'm paying, and we're going to Fogo Fogo de Chao." Which, guys, here's here's the reason it's so nice. You pay a flat sixty dollars fee per person, and then they just bring you meat. Whatever, like mm-hmm. steaks and chicken and bacon-wrapped chicken and, and pork and lamb. and Lamb and all, goat
0: and all the rest of it, man. Yeah. It, just, and it just comes.
1: And you just have a little thing on your table that says, yes, I want more meat. No, I'm done. Please don't bring more. And they're just coming around with plates in, on giant skewers. And they just – how much do you want? And They usually give you like a you – know, kind of a small portion because, you know, you have so much you can get. They come around all the time. You don't have to get a whole slab of the steak or anything. Um but uh, it was fun. It was a little bit disappointing. I was a little disappointed because I was expecting some of the, the meats to be a little more flavorful. It felt like they had kind of just kind of cooked them uh, without too much, you know, like jazzing it up um, and then brought yeah. it. Um, I was expecting more like flavor options, if you will. Like we put this type of seasoning on this steak. Here, oh, yeah. And this seasoning on this I steak. I understand. I understand. But it wasn't that, but the, the prime steak, whenever they brought that around, I was like, more please. More please. And by the end, you know, I I was like, I'm getting my money's worth, even though I'm not paying. And um, I made the mistake of eating some so, some slices of bread right before I was like fully done. And so the guy brings around the steak again. I'm like, I gotta get some more of that because there's a little bit like I, I just ah oh, so good, so yummy, and I couldn't finish the last bit I got. I was I was so mad at myself. I was like, I can't finish it. I'm yeah. full. I'm just bursting. But it was delicious. And uh,
0: so so yeah. I would say I appreciated the fact when I went anyway that um the meats didn't have a lot of different seasonings and stuff on them because I wanted to actually taste the meats and the textures and stuff, you know, because I, you know, it's not often that I get to have lamb and venison and goat and, you know, whatever else they, you know, bring out to you. Now, when it comes to certain things like chicken, I do expect there to be flavorings, and when I went, again, my chicken, when they did bring out chicken multiple times, each chicken did have a different flavoring that went with it, but with the other meats, I appreciate the fact that it was very minimal with the flavorings, because goat definitely tastes different than steak and you miss that if it's seasoned a certain way sure. uh, you know lamb tastes different you know like all those things and so it's just like i didn't want to miss out on those and um i i definitely enjoyed it but yeah you're right though they don't there's not a lot of seasonings on on the meats so if right. you're looking for that I, I think there's a couple of different steakhouses at least here in austin that do that kind of service and i think right. theirs are different so you just got to kind of I guess it might, it was Go my around and it.
1: like when I got there, you know, they had the menu to show you what kind of things they bring out. And I was one of the last ones to arrive. So by the time I arrived, people were ready to like get going. So I didn't get a chance to really look at the menu, but I was like, Oh, there's a lot of options. So I was expecting from what i would heard from you and looking at the menu that, and I'm just talking briefly, like I did not examine yeah. it really at all. Um, but don't be wrong. I'm not I'm saying it was bad. I was just, I'm just saying that no, like, no, I was yeah. expecting like a, a you know, like a, a cornucopia of different meats <laughs> and flavors and just endless bounty. And I was like, oh, there's not quite as I a mean, bit. It made more sense. You know, they can't yeah. offer every flavor out there. <laughs> no, 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 there's right. no barbecue You're right. sauce chicken coming with with garlic chicken and and bacon wrapped chicken. Yeah, I, was like, I would love to barbecue chicken, but that's just not on the menu tonight. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But now I was right there. I'm right there with you, though. I remember just, you know, my card just kind of stayed, flipped over for as long yes. as possible. And it yes. was just like, bring yeah. it. Just bring the meats. Yes. You know? Exactly. And I definitely left very full, and I was very satisfied at the end of yeah. my experience. So I'm glad that you got to experience that so, you know, relatively soon, considering how long ago that was we talked about it, you know?
1: Yeah, it was your sister's birthday, if I remember correctly, about... Uh, well, Mother's Day. Mother 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 Day. Day. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Gotcha, mm-hmm.
0: gotcha. So, before we dive into the episode, there is something that I do want to talk about real quick. Um, We haven't really talked about this much on our show, and I think that's probably a good thing. It's the whole Johnny Depp-Amber Heard trial situation, right? Okay. So, so for those who must be living at the bottom of the ocean, (laughs) these two went through a rather rancorous divorce, and then there was a defamation trial, at the end of which Johnny Depp won. They are now set to go... Yeah, very recently. For probably about a month, I'd say. Yeah, They are now set to go back to court. Amber has filed, and there's some rigmarole she's got to go through to you know, actually go back to court. But it seems like that's what's going to happen. Um, not going to talk about any of that, but what I am going to talk about is this thing that recently popped up um, in this social feed that I've got. And it was talking about something called the Johnny Depp shot. And so, what this is first, in order to understand it, you have to know what the angel shot is. So, the angel shot is for when you're out at a club or a bar or whatever, right? If a woman is with some guy or is approached by some guy that is causing her problems, harassing her, um, maybe uh, assaulting her, if there's suspicion that they've you know done something to the drink, whatever, whatever the situation is, that the woman decides. For her safety, she needs to get away from that man or that group of men or whatever it is. She can go to the bar and she can place an order with the bartender for what's called an angel shot. Now, depending on how you order the angel shot, a couple of things can happen. One is that the bartender will escort you out, escort the woman out from the bar so that she's not having to be around those guys anymore. Um... If it's something else, depending on how you order it, they will call a cab for the woman and put her into the cab and make sure she's seen out safely. And right. then if you order it another way, then they will put you in a, put the woman in a secure location in the bar while they call the police so the police can arrive to facilitate whatever the situation may be. So there is this bar that has decided that they wanted to offer uh, a male equivalent of that and they have named it the johnny depp shot and so the johnny depp shot functions very much the same way you can order it a couple of different ways depending on how you order it they will either just escort you out they will put you in a cab or they will call the police and they're saying that this is just you know kind of a uh, you know, that everyone has the right to be safe and have fun in any kind of bar or establishment, and that if something goes wrong, every person has the right to be um, protected and seen after without any judgment or repercussions or whatever. So, there's been a bunch of uproar about it, saying that whoever, the because the bar, while well, the story broke, they kept the bar's name out of it, but they're saying that this is, you know, everything from It's making fun of the angel shot, that it's not necessary to, you know, I've seen some arguments that are like, well, we understand, but does it really need to be called the Johnny Depp shot? And um, despite anything else that's going on with it, I have to agree that I think the only stupid part about it is the name. I don't think it should be called the Johnny Depp shot. Call it something else. I mean, you got the one called the angel shot. You can call this one, I don't know, michelangelo shot i don't know something else that's not like Hmm. specifically tied to a living person i guess that's my point like i I still feel that it's necessary because i agree like every person has a right to go out and if that's the atmosphere you want to be in a bar club whatever you should be able to go and enjoy it and and Not worry about somebody, you know, messing with you, attacking you, harassing you, whatever. And if something happens and you don't feel safe, there should be a way for you to signal that and get help. Because sometimes just straight up yelling for help or calling the police or whatever can rapidly escalate a situation. So having a discreet way to get attention brought to yourself and get help to you um, sounds like a good idea to me so i think that yeah it shouldn't be called the johnny depp shot but i still think that it should exist um and they're just talking about the whole like stigma around it and how it's making fun of the angel shot and everything else i don't agree with that i just think that it's uh, a good gesture to have to demonstrate that again anybody can be a victim but i just want to talk about that just real quick because i do feel like it's necessary
1: right yeah yeah um (laughs) <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. This whole the whole Amber Heard drying up trial was bizarre in its own right. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know
0: And it's just the way that this case is now like spiraling and influencing culture on just well bizarre levels. It's like can you it's almost not surprising because of who the individuals are, but at the same time it's just like I, I don't know, it's just did it did it really have to come to this for us to get the equivalent of a safety net indicator or whatever for men in public spaces? I don't know. Right. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting because again, it just now is coming up and gaining attention and and so forth and um either way, I still feel like all people have a right to be safe when you go out and if you need help there should be multiple ways for any person to signal that they need help and right. uh, go on from there. So I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: But anyway, we're not here to talk about Johnny Depp or his shot or whatever. We, or We are here to talk about the 26th and final episode of Season 2 of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. David, yep. would you like to do our recap?
1: I can do it. All right. Go for it. All right, guys. Again, this episode is the Jim Hadar. So this episode starts off very simply. Uh, Jake is in uh, his quarters when his dad, Ben Sisko, comes in. He is currently working on a very uh, simple science project. He's growing some plants. And his dad's like, ah, come on. you got to have a more challenging Science projects in that. Let's uh, let's do something else. What would you like to do? And Jake's like, how about I learn to run a pilot a runabout? And his dad's like, that's not a science project. Uh, w- try again. It's like uh, we do something in the Gamma Quadrant. And his dad jumps on it. Cisco says, that's great. All right, let's go do it. Um, so they basically are gonna go have a working quote unquote vacation in the Gamma Quadrant, just the two of them, um, as they are uh, getting ready to you know go um I'm sorry uh yeah as they're getting ready to go uh Major Kira and Dax are with him in his quarters I'm sorry in his office and they're talking about uh what they'll be doing while he's gone uh, apparently uh Captain kyo uh of his own ship is coming by soon and and Dax is looking forward to seeing him even though she thinks he's kind of arrogant uh but apparently he thinks the same of her um, but Jake comes in and he says, hey, look, I've invited Nog to come on this trip of ours. And Cisco's like, uh, what? I don't really want to interrupt <laughs> the whole father-son bonding thing. And Jake starts telling him, well, look, Nog also has to work on the science project and he is about to fail. And so uh, Keiko O'Brien said that if he did this project and he passes, like he'll pass for the year. So he desperately needs... Uh, this to happen and Jake can help him do his work. So Dad, can you please come along? And reluctantly Cisco says fine. Back in Quarks, uh Quark is talking to Morn, <laughs> the uh the guy who's always in the background. Uh, I don't know how to describe him. He's the gray guy with the He's
0: a Lurian.
1: Yeah, he's if got you a familiar Star bald Trek alien and he's no bald, nose but he's got and a little no fur lips. right. Yeah he's a Lur- the Never alien species talks. is
0: called a Lurian.
1: And it's great because he's all like, look, Morin, uh, I know something's bothering you. I'm not just your bartender. I'm your friend. I want to hear what's wrong. Tell me about it. And he sees Odo walking by and he says, hold that thought. (laughs) And runs after Odo and asks Odo, did did Cisco approve my plan of uh, using the station's monitors to advertise merchandise? And Odo gives him snark and says, what do you think? Quark firstly says, oh, he said yes, right? And Odo says, try again. And so, no. So, Cisco has not approved the merchandise selling on the monitors. But here comes uh, um, Nog. And Nog is like, hey, guess what? I get to go with the Ciscos on a special field trip. And Quark immediately starts getting his reels spinning. Um, So... Uh, the, the Cisco's are getting on the runabout. Nog gets on and he eagerly asks about what it's like to fire the phasers. Cisco is like, wait a second, hold on here. But Jake is like, it's just a joke. He's not actually serious. Uh, but who's coming on to the ship right after the three of them? Quark. Quark <laughs> is invited himself along. He is going to be supervising his nephew. Uh, turns out Rom, according to Quark, doesn't trust humans. And he thinks that they're, uh... Not gonna, you know, treat his son right, and and he he doesn't approve of this, and so Quark has volunteered to come, you know, make sure that raw uh, that 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 uh, Nog is treated properly, and so Jake steps in at the last moment to, you know, like, come on, Dad, let's just let's just go, let's just let them come along, and uh, so Cisco agrees. So they go to into the Gamma Quadrant, land on an M-class planet similar to Earth, but in the time when there were mainly just insects and fish. So there are no large animals, no predators, nothing that they need to really worry about. Uh, Cork is un- unhappy. He's having an allergic reaction. He doesn't like the bugs. He doesn't like the food that Cisco makes. Uh, the boys do their little science project, and uh, things seem to be going well. However, at one point, when the young boys uh, go off. Uh, for a time, um, the the two Cork uh, and Cisco are um, a woman comes running into their camp and uses some sort of ability to like shoot some sort of energy ball out of her chest and hit Cisco. Um, and when he you know gets back up, he says, "What are you doing that for?" And she says, uh, "How many are there? Um, are you what's going?" And he's like, "What's going on?" And suddenly a bunch of alien men with guns uh, pull off some cloaking devices and point their guns mm-hmm. at everyone, uh, the three of them, and um, and basically take them captive. And uh, so the boys are not captured, but the, the, the father, well, Nog, I'm sorry, Cork and Cisco are, and this woman. Uh, they are left in a cave in a circular device, some sort of device that will keep people from escaping it. Um, the woman warns them that if they try and leave the circle, it'll kill them because they've been captured by the Jim Hadar. And she says that the Jim Hadar, everything they do is designed to kill. So, um, if they try to escape, they're going to die. Uh, cork is yelling and screaming, trying to get attention. Why are we here? Let us go. The woman has some sort of sort of device around her neck which she says um, helps or it dampens her telekinetic abilities. That, that ball thing she shot from her chest, that's energy ball, uh, is, is something that she and her race can do, and this suppresses that ability. And as she begins to talk and tells more about what's going on, she reveals that the Jim Hadar are the military wing of the Dominion. The Dominion being the group we've heard about several times every, when we come to, the, right. to the, the Gamma Quadrant. They are a malevolent force we have not learned much about, but they seem to systematically uh, conquer various planets uh, for their own good. And this woman says that her people with their telekinetic powers were invited to join the Dominion. Uh, but when the people uh, said no, the Dominion conquered the planet very quickly And the only reason reason she escaped is because she was on a ship that was at the time, not on the planet. It was returning to her home planet. And so they were able to to run away, but she, uh, I think it was her mother or someone, one of her relatives is a, you know, very anti-Dominion. And so the reason she was chased down is because of her connection to this other person. Um, so Quark's yelling and screaming finally gets some attention and, Um, one of the leaders of the Jim Hadar comes up and he talks to, uh, well, Cork originally and Cork tries bribing him, you know, what, what if I could give you something to let us go? And the man immediately throws Cork aside, literally grabs him by his his shirt and tosses him. And so instead Cisco demands to know what's going on and what's happening. Um, And the man says, look, my orders are to keep you here. That's what the founders have decreed. And he, and Cisco's like, Who are the founders? I want to talk to them. Do they even exist? Um, and, you know, the man's like, Hey, uh, this is how it is. Uh, so get over it. Um, he, he asked Cisco about the Klingons. He's heard about Klingons. He really wanted to meet a Klingon. Uh, and Cisco's like, I'm not here to talk about Klingons. I'm Benjamin Cisco of the Federation. You need to let us go. And the man's like, no, not going to happen. So he leaves. And Cisco gets to work trying to undo the collar around the woman. He real he he theorizes that if they can get the collar off the woman, she can use her ability, uh, her abilities to make the force field that they're captured by go away. And so he tries undoing it, and then he realizes he doesn't have the skills for it. So he gets Quark to do it, and Quark, being angry about the situation, accuses you know, Cisco of being racist, basically, uh, but not just being racist. He says, uh, human history is full of things like slavery and war and all these terrible things, but we, Ferengi, we might be greedy and all that, but we don't, we don't have slavery. Um, so very interesting comment for him to be making. And, uh, but he agrees to help get the, the collar off the woman. So he eventually does get it off. And that does allow them to escape their, um, their force field, and they uh, are able to beat up. Uh, Cisco is able to, to to beat up the first guy, the first guard that comes running at them. He grabs a gun, tackles toss, him. Yeah, he tosses it to Cork. Cork is able to use it to shoot one of the other guys who is still cloaked, but his movement gives them away, and so Cork saves uh, Cisco's life. And the three of them run out together. Okay. Meanwhile, that's all the stuff that happens with this with uh, Ben and Cork. Meanwhile, um, they're the two boys, uh, Rom, sorry, Nog and Jake, are trying to figure out what happened to the other two, and they use the tricorder to follow uh, the signals of their badges uh, to their camp of the of these Jim Hadar people, and realize, uh oh, this isn't going to work out for us. So they beam back up to the runabout and try to use it to go back to the wormhole. Unfortunately, the autopilot is not allowing them to make any changes. Um, They were not given permission or or the the passcode to, you know, make changes. So Jake tries using the skills that he's learned from O'Brien to go into the computer systems and try and turn off the autopilot. Um, They do have some mishaps. For example, they almost blow up their ship, uh, you know, sending off a chain reaction, almost blow themselves up. But uh, they do turn off the autopilot, but they can't, you know, if they turn off the autopilot, In order to change their trajectory, they can't turn it back on to then have it, you know, take them back to the wormhole. They have to manually do it themselves. So they're stuck trying to manipulate and maneuver the runabout. All right. And finally, the third group, people back on the station. Um, So our group is back on the station. We got Kira, we got Dax, we got O'Brien. They're there and they're waiting for the runabout to come back, but it's still eight hours out. It's not due to come back for a bit. But someone comes through the wormhole, and it's the same guy that Quark and Cisco talked to in their con- confinement. Um, he beams aboard the station without responding to hails and uh, does so immediately. So he, you know, beams himself right into Ops, and uh, Kira says to O'Brien, you know, put a you know a security field around him so that he, you know, doesn't you know contaminate the, the station or whatever. And the man starts talking to them and says, "Hey, Cisco's been captured, and uh, that's how it is. You, um, uh, this is a warning. Don't come back through the Gamma Quadrant anymore. This is, uh, we're telling you now that we take it as a, a breach of our space. That if you come through, so this is your final warning. Um, and to prove that he is serious and powerful, he walks straight through the the contain- containment field. He, it's not bothered by it. It doesn't affect him. He just walks right through it." Uh, and he proves that he's serious by laying down a manifest of a Bajoran settlement that was on the other side of the, the wormhole. So the mm-hmm. Gamma Quadrant Bajoran settlement, he is, has proof that they've destroyed it uh, as as a warning, don't come to our side of the galaxy again. Um, so she's immediately freaked out. Like, that's not good. Um, now, the Federation captain, who we talked about earlier at the beginning of this episode, Captain Kyo, is Kyo, yeah, Kyo. whatever. Um, I forget which ship he's in charge of at the moment. The Odyssey. The Odyssey. There we go. God Christ. Yes, Odyssey. It looks just like our uh, beloved uh, Enterprise. So when I first yes. saw it, I thought it was the Enterprise. Uh, he has docked the station, and they are making plans to go through the wormhole and um, rescue Cisco, Quark, and the boys. Uh, they're also going to confront the, Fedor- uh, the Dominion on so- whatever level is necessary. And uh, our team in ops says, Hey, look, you need all the help you can get. We're going to send the other two runabouts with you so that we can provide support. And initially he pushes back, says, um, No, that's not a good idea, but they say you need all the help you can get. And so all of our main actors, uh, main characters, Kira, Dax, O'Brien, uh, uh, Bashir, and uh, o- Odo, are all coming through. Odo wants to come through because he wants someone to make sure that Quark is handled properly. He doesn't want him, you know, killed by the Dominion. He wants him in jail, but he wants him in jail on his terms. Um, So all of our main cast goes through using the runabouts. They go through. They don't see any resistance. There's no Dominion presence immediately available saying, you know, stay on your side of the wormhole. So they keep moving through, and they go to the planet, and they find... Jake trying to desperately learn how to manipulate the runabout. And so O'Brien beams aboard and takes control of that one. Then three Dominion ships appear and start firing on uh, our team. Now the runabouts being a little more maneuverable are, you know, doing more, you know, dog fighting. Uh, but these three ships, which are not the size of the, uh, the Odyssey, they're more like mid size ships, they are able to fire their weaponry and, they be, and hit the Odyssey. It is not able to defend itself with its shields. The shields are ineffective. Their weaponry is also not as effective as they would want it to be. Uh, so the Dominion is being more successful in this fight than we would be happy to hear about. Uh, the team is able to find the three uh, of Cisco, Quark, and the woman. They are uh, you know outside now, outside of the cave, so they're able to get beamed up. They beam them aboard. The Odyssey says, look, we're in danger, we need to retreat, we got what we came for, let's head back to the wormhole. But one of the three Dominion ships kamikazes itself into the Odyssey and destroys it. And so our three runabouts are all that's left, and they reluctantly head back to the wormhole uh, and realize that the Dominion is now a serious threat on their side of the Gamma Quadrant, and that if there's ever a fight that's going to happen, it's going to be on... Yeah, at got the wormhole and deep space nine is going to be the first line of defense. And so Cisco says that he needs to, that they all need to start preparing for any war with the dominion. And I believe that's, per- Oh, I'm sorry. One last thing. Uh, right before he does that, um, cork who has the necklace or the, 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 the thing that was around the woman's neck, he takes it back to the station. He wants to replicate it cause he wants to sell it. But when he does so, he realizes there wasn't actually anything inside this device. It was not anything other than a complicated locking device. And so he goes mm-hmm. to Cisco, and presents Cisco, and so Cisco uh, approaches the woman with his phaser out and with Odo, and says, "Wait a minute. You're one of the Dominion. You're one of the Jim Hadar. You were sent. You were planted as the person that we would bring back with us to this side of the, of the wormhole." Uh, the Jim Hadar, in talking with them earlier in earlier scenes, had revealed more that they know quite a bit about what's going on this side of the, of the wormhole. For example, they knew about the Cardassian treaty and how it's not good for the Federation, stuff like that. So, oh, this is this woman is a plant. She's a spy, and she reveals that that's true and beams away. And O'Brien is not able to know how she did it. He doesn't see any ship. He doesn't see that she's done it. She's beamed to anywhere on the station. She seems to have just disappeared. And uh, so they they realize Kira says that she'll be back with, like, an army next time we see her. So that's it. I believe I hit everything. Um, did I miss yeah. anything there? Nope. Nope,
0: you did a pretty good job. Yeah, and uh-huh. her name, uh-huh. by
1: the way, uh, is Eris. Yeah. Yes.
0: So, of course, yes, David did a good job hitting the highlights. And as we say all the time, if you want to get the juicy details, you can always go and watch the episode. In fact, you should do that. Pause this. Go watch it, come back, we'll still be here, and we will enrich your experience. But yes, no, you did a great job on this one, and uh, what did you think of this episode, you know, after everything that we've watched and leading up to it, all the way from season one, finally, here we are, season two, and we're seeing the Dominion. What did you think?
1: Well, um, so two things. So first off, before I watch this episode... I was thinking about what would I say next week when we're having our season two finale kind of um, or our season two kind of wrap up episode kind of talk about what's been going on so far. And I was thinking about what I would say about that. And one of the things I was thinking of is like we haven't had any sort of you know major conflict that Cisco, had to other than like the Marquis episode, um, he had to like navigate and like a rock and a hard place type situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marquis was a rock in the hard place situation, but it ended up kind of in a gray zone. No real, um, change occurred. There was a minor dog fight between the runabouts and the other, the, the Marquis ships, but those were kind of small. Um, so this episode started very, very small, you know, it's just Jenkins and, and his son. They're going to go on a, on a vacation. And then it kind of escalates because Cork is brought along, and so it was fun to kind of see, you know, like, oh, up Cork is going to invite himself along. That's going to be fun to see that, and have what's going to go on there, and there's going to be something go wrong. And you know, things don't go wrong until the second commercial break. <laughs> you know, again, we have to watch commercials on Paramount Plus, so I'm very aware it was the second commercial break. <laughs> That's when the uh, when Eris appeared, and she was being, mean, you know, supposedly. Um, followed by the, the the jim hadar um so and then it escalates again with you know oh they're captured and then it escalates with we have the odyssey here it's a it's a ship that looks exactly like the enterprise again when it first showed up on screen i was like oh the enterprise is here um, this is a big escalation it's not the enterprise of course but um yeah the fact that the odyssey uh is sent to go deal with a major conflict and that the ship is destroyed i mean it went from a very small little intimate episode into you know earth shattering galaxy shattering war proportions um so yeah we got a we got an interesting uh, episode here and i think it was a a good kind of I, I was glad to see a lot of action uh we have some real stakes we have a, an an enemy that can really worry about something similar to like, you know, the Borg or, or like, you know, like, that. So like, there's a threat, a looming threat, um, out there. Uh, so yeah, I, I really liked this one as a, especially the season finale. Cause this one, you know, leaves us with a, uh, kind of a cliffhanger of like, okay, do we need to prepare for war today? Or are we just going to wait, you know, till the middle of next season before mm-hmm. something else happens or, or what? You know, the, the the wormhole has been, for the most part, kind of a nice little oddity. Uh, we have some, you know, quirky things happen with the with the wormhole every couple episodes. You know, people come through it or we go to the other side and something happens or, you know, all kinds of things. But this is the first time that we really have the idea of it being, this is a choke point to use you know, military terminology, this is a choke point by which the enemy could come through. We need to hold this line. It's a bridge of sorts. We need to hold the bridge. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I liked it. So
0: you bring up a couple of interesting points there. First, you know, let's talk about the Odyssey being another galaxy-class starship, okay? okay. So um, for those who may not be aware, uh, this was actually the original thought process for this story had actually been to have next generation crew, this to be Picard and the enterprise. And this was going to be kind of a massive crossover event, um, for, for both series. However, of course, as we know by this time, next generation had already ended and they were also ramping up production for, um, you know, finalizing the movie that was going to be coming out soon, you know, generations. And, um, Everything was getting to be prohibitively expensive, you know, right? With with Patrick Stewart being, you know, who he is and, you know, costs for things being what they are, it just became less and less likely that having that kind of a crossover would happen. Right. Um, I think it would have been interesting for sure for these two shows to really do a true crossover where the two main casts have to confront such a implacable enemy, you know, but, uh, unfortunately we didn't get that now. Um, you know, there was also... The, there was a point about, you know, that would have been the thing that destroyed the Enterprise-D, um, to, trying to ramp up the stakes to show that the Dominion were a new and very vicious threat, unlike other threats that we had seen in the past, you know, with the Borg kind of being like... I mean, they're they're lethal for sure, but are they ruthless? Are they this kind of kamikaze-style? No, that's not, that's not who the Borg are. Right. You know, so giving us an enemy that was altogether way more aggressive and amped up than anything else we had seen before. That was kind of going to be the point. Since, again, they couldn't do that with the Enterprise, they decided we'll do the next best thing and we'll just label it a new ship. So for those that want to know, yes, that is obviously a model of the enterprise D they used in several filming uh, shots for next generation. They just took off the decals that said enterprise and slapped on new ones that said odyssey. (laughs) All right. That's, that's the behind the scenes magic. But of course, as we know in universe, there'd be multiple ships uh, that are galaxy class that are out there. And that's what this, that's what we're seeing here. Right. Um, So yeah, you know, the internal bridge scenes that we see from what I understand were kind of an amalgam of a bunch of different sets that they put together. Some of them featured from like uh, the Miranda class, as we've seen in uh, Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, to um, the battle bridge from uh, Next Generation, like all those kind of bits and pieces, kind of like a kit bashing they did to give us the set for the interiors of the Odyssey. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, that was the whole point. Ramp up the stakes. The Dominion—they're a new threat, and um, they're they're deadly. They're yeah. not not taking any, anything for granted. Any chances here?
1: And willing to kamikaze some of their ships to get the goal they they want?
0: Just yeah. to prove a point. I mean, in effect, they'd already won. You know,
1: yeah. um, we were it retreating. already was,
0: yeah. yeah this the Starfleet people were already retreating. They'd already destroyed multiple stations and colonies and whatever else on this side of the wormhole. They really didn't need to do that kind of a run on the Odyssey. And yet that was the whole point to show that, you know, this is how far they're willing to go to carry out their ideals. Right. You know, so worked pretty well. Cause I remember watching it the first time and just shocked, shocked when the Odyssey blew up. You <laughs> yeah, know, I know. couldn't, couldn't believe it. I was, Definitely one of those people who is just like, oh man, these people are um, very, very dangerous.
1: Yeah, I was at at that point as the episode was building up. As I said, it was ramping up. Um, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, I think the Odyssey is gonna is gonna go. I think that's what they're gonna do here. Is they're gonna show how deadly they are. Is by, my... but I like part of me couldn't believe it. You know, part of me is like, nah, no, nah, they just gotta get Cisco back, and it's gonna be you know, the cliffhanger of, oh, no, the Dominion is now there. Nope, nope, the Odyssey went. They blew that up. Um, and,
0: and, you know, one thing I didn't I didn't enjoy was just how slow the Odyssey seemed. You know, yeah. after having watched seven seasons of The Next Generation and knowing, you know, watching them pilot that ship in all kinds of scenarios, yeah. when... when The captain of the Odyssey orders the retreat, and we're watching the ship slowly, painstakingly turn around to go back to the wormhole. I was like, "Good God! Can somebody (laughs) put Wesley Crusher on the bridge already and let him turn the ship around?" Because it was just—it's like, where's
1: Data when you need him? Right, somebody, right put missiles. some pep in those <laughs>
0: engines right put some pep in those engines and turn this ship around like right. it just it was so slow And that's like i get what you're trying to do but man did it just seem wildly inappropriate you know because it's just like come on we've watched this ship maneuver for the past seven eight years can you please get this right like they can still do the kamikaze run just right. make the ship do the things that we know that it can do
1: Right, yeah. Is it more deadly because the idea is that the ship is so disabled by the Dominion, or would it have proven that the Dominion is more deadly by even when the when the, the the Odyssey is damaged, it's still pretty maneuverable and functional, and that's when they, you know, make their you know run their their Kamikaze run. Like that was to prove, like yo, you almost got away, but we were willing to sacrifice you know a ship of our own to make sure yours was taken down. Um, I don't know. Either way, could have worked, but yeah, you're right. Like yeah. it was turning. And it's like I know when the cell is out, but come on. <laughs> and
0: it's like it's not even out all the way. It's still flickering or whatever else. I feel like right. y'all should do a better job. This should, shouldn't be so so right. slow. But yeah, yeah it was, and that,
1: in the in the you know the the captain's room, the the, the, the bridge was shaking, 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 shaking. Um, I was like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna blow this ship up. This one's got to go. Which also. I mean, I, I really wish it could have been the Enterprise and our Enterprise crew that was there, but, um, two, twofold, of course, you know, if we're going to blow up a ship, we would want, the idea that everyone died gives it more impact. If our Enterprise crew had, you know, the, the TNG crew had gone off on that kind of cliffhanger uh, as their final episode, even after, you know, the, the end of all things, or, uh, what is it? What's the last, uh? Last episodes of TNG, uh, all good things. There we go.
0: All good things, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, that was a good, like, hopeful two-parter with Q, and it was a callback to the first episode of TNG. If this had been the final episode of TNG on some level, that would have been such a massive cliffhanger that it wouldn't probably have have held. People would have demanded another season, excuse me. Um, So this worked for our uh, Deep Space Nine show. But, yeah, Yeah. it's another episode episode where it would have been great as a tng crossover episode if they had done this you know at the end of last season for example i don't know um uh, i think it's just
0: one of those situations where you know uh, especially back then in the in the early 90s there was such a desire to make a clear separation between what was on tv and what was movie and once it kind of crossed over into a certain onto a certain level especially when it comes to the money, I feel like it really restricted them on what they could do back on, you know, the small screen on TV, because, you know, things just became, because they, it was almost like they had separate budgets. This is our movie budget. This is our TV budget. Instead of looking at it as this is the Star Trek budget, you know? And so all things Trek need to have this and that and whatever else that would have made more sense. And I think, and I have no basis for this at all. But I think that's kind of how things are being done now. That instead of looking at things as we're, this is the money we set aside for movies, this is the money we set aside for TV, this is the movie set aside for animation. The, and none of that. It's just like, no, this is, this is the budget. If it's right. going to be in Star Trek, you have this to work with. And right. it shows. The production values on all the TV shows have been top-notch. Right. Definitely movie movie quality. Right. Um, the only thing that they really lack is time. Like that's the thing. Like doing a series like Discovery, where it would have twenty six episodes in a season versus the twelve to thirteen that it has. I think that's where they're just like we we had to cut costs somewhere because that would just be <laughs> a lot. But right. but now the shows are getting to the point where they're they're so good with acting, they're so good with storytelling, they're so good with their special effects that it almost screams. We need more. Right. And so, yeah. well, this this would have been a perfect movie, right? This could have been the crossover. Like Deep Space Nine on the big screen with the next generation cast. What a better way to kind of like bridge the gap here with these two casts to right. introduce this huge enemy... And to kind of leave things up in the air with our TNG crew. And then we're continuing this storyline on the small screen here. And then, I mean, we know there are several other movies that feature the TNG crew later on. So we know they would have been back. We know they would have recovered from this. And then just kind of keep your timeline, you know, marked that way. I think that would have been a very interesting way to do it. But, of course, that's not what happened. So, you know, we we have what we have. But it's always interesting to, you know, kind of look back. And uh be like, I wish they had done this thing. And I I really just wanted to see, to be completely honest, I would love to see Picard and Cisco face to face again. I think we've (laughs) talked about that before. You know, the first time they were together, it was such a, you know, tense thing to see them again now that Cisco has kind of gotten over some things and is, you know, kind of coming out of that PTSD that he had there and being a different man, I would love to see that with Picard again.
1: Oh yeah, the point. idea of of Cisco having to rely on the very man that he's hated and, and resented all this time. You know, yeah. it's it's him coming to rescue him or it's it's him who has the, the actual firepower to back up Cisco. And that's always the thing about D Space Nine and, and like the runabouts. Like it, it always feels like our crew, our our, our D Space crew D Space Nine crew, you know, they don't have the firepower to really back up. You know, if if the Dominion did come through I don't think the 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 station maybe has some more firepower. I mean, yeah, but I mean like the tractor beam. They tried firing the tractor beam at the the guy's ship when he came. The the minion guy's ship didn't work. He walked through the 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 barrier and. You know all, all kinds of things. Yeah, seemed like I mean, how surprising
0: like, was that? Yeah, the Dominion yeah. just seems to be, you know, head and shoulders above with all their technology. You know, even yes. when they were firing on the Odyssey, that's the first shot takes out one of the warp nacelles, and
1: yes. that's
0: what Captain Keogh says. He's like, you know, they're they've done something, and their 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 phasers are passing right through our shields because that was the. I mean, that was the first shot, and the thing blows up. And I, that was my first thought. Yeah, why didn't you have your shields up? And then it's, oh, they did. They just passed right through. Yeah. And then here he comes. You know, the Jem'Hadar beams onto the station. They erect the containment field around him. And he stands there kind of playing the part. And then just to further emphasize that they can't stop him, he walks through the force field like it's not even there. Yeah. And it's just like, what? Tissue paper would have been more right. <laughs> you know, it's just like, Jesus. They have... They're, they know so much already about the Federation. And the yeah. Federation is completely in the dark about the right. Dominion beyond murmurings. This is the first yes. time we've seen these foot soldiers, these Jem'Hadar. I mean, we hadn't even really heard of the Jem'Hadar. We just heard of the Dominion. Right. You know, so now exactly. we see this strong arm that's come through. And it's just, they're on a whole other level.
1: Right. Well, it's so interesting, too, because it's the Ferengi who've been trying to reach out. That's what, you know, Quark points out. We did have an episode earlier this season where he... Uh, did try going across. That was the episode where the the female Ferengi was cross dressing as a male Ferengi, and they came across. They and... were trying to
0: make the to the berry wine from the yes. Dozi.
1: Yes, and I forget if that's the exact same wine he offered the Jim Hadar guy, but he definitely offered like a thousand casts of wine to this uh, Jim Hadar guy before he got tossed aside. Um, and uh, yeah, so only the only the the Ferengi have had any real interest in the Dominion up to this point anything we've heard about the Dominion has been secondhand. None of our our cast or crew has done anything to like really examine what the Dominion is, are they a threat to us? Yeah, we're, we're, we're worried about the Cardassians. And so to hear that the Dominion have taken an active interest on this side of the border and apparently have already started infiltrating and learning about this side, oh man, the Dominion have already been, they have the technology, they have the, the infrastructure, they have the, the spies already, they got the knowledge they are way ahead of our of our team and crew and the federation on this this question. So yeah, I look forward to seeing more interactions with them.
0: Absolutely. This episode also gives us a really great moment between uh, Quark and Cisco. This is after they've been captured, and Cisco pretty much orders Quark to help Eris with the locking mechanism on her neck in order to help them get free. And uh, Quark kind of lays it out for him as to why he feels that humans uh, look down on and even despise Ferengi when they shouldn't. Right, And he gives a nice, he makes some nice points about him, you know, like there's a lot of similarities but there are also some very stark differences, you know, and that you know, as much as humans, you know, Hate to be reminded of some of these things about Ferengi. Ferengi never did certain things that humans have done, right. as he says. You know, you know, humans had slavery and concentration camps and massive world wars, and you know, the Ferengi never had anything as barbarous in their in their history. And he says, you know, we're nothing like you. We're better. Yeah. And I I loved it. I loved that moment because even Cisco seems like you know his head kind of jerks around a little bit right. at it because you know. Despite what he says, you can tell there's a clear dislike for yeah. either for Ferengi or at least for Quark <laughs> that Cisco has, and he he displays it quite frequently. He doesn't want Jake to be friends with Nog mainly right. because of it seems Quark, and right. uh, now he's in the situation where he has to put up with him, and he's given you know really some kind of some some food for thought here on how he's treated. Um, our resident bartender here and it pays off. It seems like later on Cisco's attitude at least a little bit has changed towards yeah. quark when they're running out like he doesn't he, Eris wants to leave quark behind and Cisco right. says nope, you know if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be here right now. And also when we have the great reveal of the complicated locking mechanism that contains nothing. Um, right. Cisco is right there he's standing right beside Quark and he backs him up and he listens to him yeah. when he's pointing out what's going on you know so yeah it seems like that was enough to give him a little bit of food for thought and I did like how he how again Quark points out this difference right. um, between uh, human culture and Ferengi culture because we do look right. down on Ferengi a little bit
1: yeah I just had to say to Quark though I just had to ask him um, how do you treat your women again? you uh, don't let them dress like uh yeah, I know we have our problems, but <laughs> hey, well, you know,
0: historically we haven't treated women very well on our own planet either. So, I mean, he he makes a he, I was still going to say he makes a valid point. I'm not well. It, it's interesting like, about
1: court because he points out that like you hate us because you re- we remind you of an earlier version of yourselves. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's. It's an interesting argument for Cork to make. He's not half wrong, it would seem. I'm saying he's not wrong. I mean,
0: and it's just because he he still – like his culture still exemplifies things that at least by this standard, the 24th century, the Federation standard, that we no longer do those things. We are no longer greedy, obsessed with the acquisition of wealth, um, interested only in profit that we've moved beyond that, and now we we're confronted, we're face-to-face with this race that still does all those things to incredible extremes, right. and how that could make us uncomfortable. I think it's interesting because I feel like we do that already in society. Like when we like to think that we have evolved past certain thoughts, ideas, notions, or whatever. But, you know, there are I'm sure there are people on the other side of that who feel like we haven't gotten very far at all from where we were 200 years ago, 500 years ago, whatever that was. you right. know. So um, I just think it's interesting that they brought that, at least a little bit, they brought that conversation here into um, into Star Trek. And it's not something that we see often, but it is something that we see a lot on Deep Space Nine. So uh, you can kind of put a star or an asterisk by this, whatever you want to, because this kind of thought process will be back. Right. In this well, it's interesting
1: because, I mean, that's the whole point of Q, With especially the next generation, that was his whole argument: was that has humanity really progressed beyond all of that darker history? Um, That first episode is all about, you know, have should you let the TNG crew even live? You know, you're correct. Yeah, should they um, be allowed
0: to go any further into space? Because he, they're grievously savage, is what he calls them—a grievously savage race.
1: And I, I should point out, you know, Quark starts the letter Q. And I would just say I've only seen Quark and Q in the same location one time <laughs> on TNG. Sorry, in the bar. I'm sorry, but in the bar, Quark's bar, when uh, Cisco punched uh, Q in the face when he, you know, transported them to a version of reality where they were boxing. Remember and Cisco punches him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not Picard.
0: <laughs> well, and Quark is, or not Quark, but Q is omnipotent. So I mean, yeah. if he wanted to look like something else. Yeah. He could.
1: Is he Is he Quark? Is Q Quark? That's the real question. <laughs> they actually probably have more similarities than differences, not that I think about it. They're both yeah. annoying, obnoxious, and in this case, point out humanity's flaws as opposed to their own. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, very keen on pointing out humanity's flaws versus their own. That is very true. Very true. <laughs> Absolutely. So... As always, got to ask, what would be a scene that we didn't need? What is something about this episode that could have just gone without being there entirely and we would have lost nothing? It just, it adds nothing for us here. What do you think?
1: Um, I don't think there's anything that stands out in that sense. Um, Like, I mean, I was able to predict in my own little head that Cork would go along on the ship you know invite himself along that was telegraphed easily um again i i figured that both the odyssey would be destroyed and that the chick again maris eris eris yeah that she might be actually a double agent it's a very common trope for the person that's captured alongside you turns out oh wait a minute they're actually um there to, to listen in and um pretend to be sympathetic so that uh, they can overhear things. And it turns out they've actually been with the uh, enemy all along. Um, I'm trying to think of where else I've seen that trope before, but at the moment it's escaping me. I'm sure... TNG had it once or twice. It actually
0: happens a lot in sci-fi, where they're talking about the person, and it's not like they're in the next room. They're literally just, like, right there. I've I've seen that before, too, and I've always thought that's very strange. Like, you're going to have this kind of deep conversation that's obviously about your observations of this other person, and they're Right next to you. Like, we've right. always said, you know, you don't talk about people. At least wait for them to get in the next room. Y'all right. are sharing, not only are you sharing the same cell, she's less than one foot step away. Like, she's sitting right there. Right. And Cisco's just like, she doesn't know anything about us. She's just as scared as we are. Like, you don't know what she's thinking, but you're giving her ammo because you're telling her right. all of your thoughts. You're communicating all of your stuff Yeah, they were right they, out in the open. Right up
1: next to her, and they were basically yelling in her ears everything that they had to say. <laughs> it's a little awkward. I was like, "Come on, guys! Like, keep it somewhat private." I don't know, but yeah,
0: yeah. definitely that. Um, this episode is also a the the first one that we've seen Jake in in several episodes. You know, yeah. I think the last four yeah. or five episodes we have been without Jake or nog, and I'm pleased to see that he's finally dressed semi-appropriately. Nothing, none of these broad. Very bright, glaring colors, looking like he just rolled himself in all the terrible carpeting from a 1970s bus. Right. You know, he actually looks like he – it it works. It's an outfit, you know. I hate – I just hate the clothes.
1: I'm surprised to hear you say any of that. I was thinking you were going to say that poor Cisco got dressed by his son in this episode when he showed up on the runabout for the first time out of uniform. I think it's the first time I can think of I've seen him out of uniform like that. And I was like, yep. Perry's got something to say, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I mean,
0: it was still more subdued. I, I feel like it's somebody's just been like, we understand this has to be <laughs> yeah. sci-fi, but must we put these well, two it's... characters in these glaringly obvious, ugly
1: <laughs> colors? <laughs> yeah. And someone well, said,
0: "Nah, you're right, we don't have to do that anymore." Well, it's
1: funny too because Cisco's has a little bit of a V, a little more, uh, a little more skin showing there on that front bit. There, it's you know, uh, a little more manly, a little more. He got room to maneuver his muscles with that that <laughs> bit there. Um, yeah, if it, went,
0: if it went for that V cut in the shirt, he wouldn't have been able to do that uh, expert takedown maneuver with the Jim Hadar when <laughs> exactly. he came through.
1: Yeah, um, I really like the actor who played the Jim Hadar guy. I mean, it was like a reptilian look they gave him, but the guy spoke and like I didn't. I felt like they did a really good job, or at least the actor did of like conveying. His he's speaking as clearly and as articulately like, like for example, cork, um, Armin Shimmerman with cork, you know, he has to have those, those teeth in his, in his mouth. So he has to talk through the fake mm-hmm. teeth. Um, so you can sometimes tell that he's having to work through that. This guy was like, no, and actually kind of gave him a more powerful presence in my opinion. You know, he wasn't, you know, in any way hindered by his alienness. He was able to come off as clearly and articulately and, and powerfully as any villain we'd ever expect. Like, even the the Cardassians seem a bit stiff sometimes with their neck flanges or things. Um, mm-hmm. They seem to be kind of stiff with the way they move around. This guy, nope, he was there. He was telling Kira, um, not only am I telling you that Sisko's a dead man, but so are your Bajoran buddies. So, yeah, this was... He was a good actor. He played the role really well. I don't know who it was. I didn't even look that up. The actor's
0: name is Cress Williams. I don't think I've seen him in anything before. Um, But you're right. He does do a great job of delivering his lines. He says something that always caught me. You know, a a little odd. And he says, um, "I am third Taloktalon." That's his name, the character's name. And I'm just like, "You're the third? Are you like? Is he saying he's the third? Like, you know, like we do? You know." junior Junior, senior third or is that your rank and then if that's your rank like where's the first and second like right what happened here that the third is the one that we are we're dealing with here because i mean as we've seen in trek in most cases people making those introductions they're kind of at like top of the totem pole here and yet this guy's third ranking doesn't really happen unless there's like a really significant reason for that to happen right we don't know if that's what's going on here, but it doesn't really seem to be. So I just kind of wonder, like, what were the first and second doing? Right. If that's yeah. how that works. Yeah. yeah,
1: I missed the third part. I remember the Takak Taklan part. Like, it was a lot of T sounds or yeah. T and Ks. But um, yeah, I just I, I liked his presence when he showed up. Um, he came off as knowledgeable and, and just, I don't know, there's something about him. He was just great. I was like, I want this guy yeah. back. I want more of this guy. He, his,
0: his delivery is very cool. He's you know always he's very much in control. He's very menacing, which right. I think works well because we kind of get that a little bit from Cisco and some of his scenes. Because that's you know we've always said Cisco is the master of delivering that you know that subtle threat. Right. But here it's met, and if anything, it almost seems like it's taught because Cisco, in his scenes, are is more defensive and inquisitive he's trying to get information while right. also trying to protect himself whereas talk Talon is trying to be menacing threatening and showing that he is in control right here. so definitely a different approach different stance and i yeah i enjoyed it as well and i would like to see more of him as well and hopefully we get to see kind of a a showdown between these two
1: yeah yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at his character page, though. It doesn't look like he comes back for anything else. I'm hey, David, spoilers. Eh, You're not
0: supposed to be spoiling this for yourself. That's
1: not a major spoiler. It's a, may, a minor <laughs> one. Uh, but Molly Hagen as Eris, uh maybe she'll be back, and that seemed to be insinuated. I guess I, I won't look her up, so I won't spoil anything, I guess, for myself. But, um, yeah, she was also – I mean, again, I, I had the idea in my head of, like, I don't know, it's a pretty common trope for the – the sympathetic other prisoner to actually be the, the plant, you know, mm-hmm. they get rescued along with everybody else. And it turns out they actually were not the friendly person. They, you think they are. They actually were, um, again, a plant. Um, and she comes off as, you know, is kind of, uh, Vol- uh Romul- Romulan, Romulan, Yeah. Romulan yeah. Um, with, with the way she, you know, when she reveals that they, they, they confront her, she doesn't blink or flinch or run away or anything. She's like, I'll be back basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so
0: no, I will say, yes, yeah, her, her species pops up again. Yeah. Um, we learn more about them and, and what they are and, and who they are and so forth. So yeah, don't count her out. Okay. So there's much more to come.
1: What was interesting is, um, so remind me how the founders were brought up the first time. Cause I, was it that so, she she? Yeah, pretended... this is
0: actually the first time that we have heard of the founders because yeah. before everything that we'd heard was always the Dominion. If right. you wanted to do business, you had to do business with the Dominion. If right. something didn't happen or did happen or whatever, it was because of the Dominion, right? So now in this episode, we're getting to hear a little bit more of a breakup of of the of the power because we have the Gem Hadar, which are a part of the Dominion. Yeah, they're like and the so, in
1: Order, it would seem almost. Yeah. Cardassians,
0: yeah. So, Maybe more you know, military,
1: but anyway. Yeah, they're, they're definitely
0: the military arms. So what we hear in this exchange is basically that, you know, Talactalan is saying that his orders are to keep them where they are and, uh, and to interrogate Cisco. And then he's like, "Cisco's asking, well, I want to speak to the people who are going to be asking the questions. And he's like, that's not my job to take you to those people. Right. And that's when Eris interrupts and she's like, you're talking about the founders, right. and, uh, you know, again, Tlaxcon's like, yeah, it, it would be the founder, basically saying, yeah, the founders are going to be the ones that are going to be doing the questioning, and that's just up to them to do whatever it is with you. We're right. just here because they told us to hold you here. He's, right. he's demonstrating now that the Gem Hadar are not in charge, that it's the founders who are making the decisions, the founders right. who have given the orders, and he's carrying them out. And Era says, well, there's no such thing as the founders. They're a myth. Right, And he's like, if you want to believe that, that's fine. That's basically right. kind of how he leaves that. So Let's... we know at least that there are two groups in the Dominion. We have the Founders and we have the Jem'Hadar.
1: Right. However
0: many others exist, we don't know yet, but we know that the Founders are kind of our, they're the tops, they're the leaders, they're the, they're the ones that are making all the decisions. The Jem'Hadar are the military might by which they enforce their right. decisions and orders and so forth.
1: Um, so I'm reading through um, Memory Alpha's re- recap of the episode, and it sounds like he's the first person who mentions the founders, which the reason I bring that up is because the way you were saying it, if it was uh, Eris who brought it up, I thought it was interesting that she would bring up that information to then later deny it when they confront her, being like, um, when they say, are you a founder? And she says, do you think they would really you know, waste their time on you? Um, but if, if it was him that to, to to so, yeah. Lock Lan to talk to Lon. If he's the one who brought it up, uh, then she's the one who's like, "Oh, they don't even exist." So I think that's interesting. It's like yeah. they were, it's like they were setting up Cisco to learn information. Like it, I think the founders are fake. I think it's like it is a. I think they were setting the idea up with these of this mysterious leadership group, um, for the our, our crew to, to worry about. Maybe that's what the the Dominion does with all of their you know. Conquer date uh, planets as they plant the idea that there is some mystical group of people called the Founders that they have to deal with. When it's just a you know a fake bureaucracy, it figureheads at yeah. best. Could um, be
0: also like an interesting way of kind of like passing the buck. you know, like we're not here because we wanna be. We're here because the founders ordered us to be.
1: Right. Yeah. We're just following orders. Us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't blame us. Blame the founders. You've got a problem. They're the ones who brought us here. So whatever you did made them mad, not us. Right. I could see that. Right. I could see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh it was interesting that they were talking that they that, that was brought up. Uh, during their conversation and it is tulaberry wine that Quirk uh, yes. offers. was <laughs> mm-hmm. it it's a great callback. I mean, if he thinks that <laughs> the Dominion cared about the tulaberry wine, which I imagine we can infer they don't give a damn about tulaberry wine as from what um Eris said when she was pretending to be a, a you know captured is like if they if the Dominion wants something, they take it you know, which I have to say is really interesting like for a for like a character who's supposedly, on the side of, like, a an evil, tyrannical organization, for them to, like, pretend to be sympathetic and moral and say stuff like, oh, yeah, they're terrible because they just, you know, take what they want. And then it turns out, oh, yeah, I'm with those people. Like, are you? Yeah. Like, are you not, like, do you think that's bad? You don't think that's wrong? You don't, like, have, like, something to say about that? I, don't know, so, you know? so, I mean you
0: get in kind of one of those situations kind of like what we had with Garrick here where you have to kind of figure out what's the truth and what's the lie Sure. You know. know, and so it's just like the way she kind of describes him in her story that she tells about the Dominion is you know the Dominion comes to you and they and if you have something they'll take it whether that's through negotiation or by force that is true, so she is tells true. her yeah. story you know they come they offer you something here's something that you want here's something that we have we're willing to give you this in exchange for that. You can either accept their offer and move on or you can turn it down. And in the story she tells, her people turned it down. They turned it down and the Dominion rolled in the Jem'Hadar and said, well, fine then. And obliterated everything else. We also know this seems to be what happened to another species that we heard about when the Skreens came through the wormhole and were trying to settle on Bajor, which they called their Cantana. Right. They said that the Screans had been subjugated by another race, and right. then that race was themselves defeated by, by the, the Dominion. Dominion. Yeah. So this seems to be a recurring theme that's going on on this other side of the wormhole. The Dominion right. shows up, they make you an offer, you either accept it or you don't. If you don't, right. here come the Right. So where where we have to kind of figure out what's true, what's the lie or whatever, is again with Eris. Is she kind of giving Cisco kind of like a general like this is how the Dominion operates, or and this is and that's true like her people did this thing, or is right. she just kind of feeding him a BS story and she's really a part of the Dominion? She could be a founder for all we know. Right. And, like we know that she gets asked that question later on, but does she answer the question?
1: Yeah, she does. She answer it truthfully? obfuscates yeah. right,
0: and she doesn't say yes or no. She's like, "Do you really think they would?" That's not an answer, right? You know, so yeah, you got to be careful because we don't know. We don't know yet. So it's. Well, I mean, I know, but
1: yeah,
0: um, it's fun. This is fun. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I like picking it apart and seeing the different ways that they did try to give us a lot of misdirection one way or another as to who's doing what and who's in control and so forth. And there's still a lot. I mean, we haven't, we haven't found out. And I mean, obviously, this is the end. This is the end of Season 2. So we've got Season 3 coming up, which is going to give us a lot more to go on. But um, yeah, just um, overall, I think this was a great episode. I think that this episode really sets up things for Season 3 really well. Yeah. Um, despite our lack of TNT crossover, I still think it's a great way to end the season. Right, and uh, definitely had me looking forward to more and seeing Cisco kind of become, you know, seeing him be more forceful, more more vocal with things. Yeah, so, yeah,
1: yeah. I agree, and um, I like the fact that the Federation really showed up with the with the starship this time because I feel like that's one of the things that's been missing with this show is our. Federation presence is our cast. You know, we have Cisco and Dax and Bashir and O'Brien. But that's it. We haven't really Mm -hmm. seen any technology necessary to back them up. Even the station is Cardassian technology, and they're they're, orbiting Bajor. So I like the fact that we had a a um, Galaxy-class starship here. And uh, on that point, I want to critique something, and I might make you mad to critique this because it's a Star Trek critique. I might have already brought this Mm -hmm. up before, but I'm going to say it anyway. And that's that. The Star Trek ships don't make sense on a military level because when the card, when the, the the ship, the the, the Dominion ship, kamikazed itself, it aimed right for the center kind of necular region, if you will, at the little the narrow. The main area. deflector. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and then like the thing split apart into two pieces because it was so flimsy in that little area. I, I I've always thought that the ships looked fantastic. They look very sleek and fun. But, you know, you got little thin areas, little nacelles jutting off, and, and the saucer section is connected by a little tiny piece. It's like, yeah, it makes sense that they were able to, you know, if they got past your shields, they just hit you there and you're done for.
0: <laughs> so let's not forget that the Enterprise demonstrated that that is also the area where the saucer is supposed to be able to separate
1: sure. from
0: the ship. So yeah, it would be a structurally weak point because it's not all one piece. It's designed to come apart. So right. yeah, very then first being episode, able to TNG that was really yeah. cool when they did that. Yeah, being able to get through the shields and smack into that part definitely would be a weak point. So you're right. Um right. as for the whole nacelles being on these flimsy little, you know, wingtips out yes. here, and they're the that's that's the engine, you know, to a degree, right. and it's it's just way out here. Right. Um that is something that is solved in later Trek. Oh. So uh some people don't like it. Um, but so I do agree
1: later check, Are you saying that they get rid of the Nacelle sections or they just give a better they Give a there really are, good reason for why that Well or...
0: I, I think it's, it's kind of a failure on both. So they do get rid of the the, the the nacelles are still there But they get rid of the pylons that Attach them right. to the ships And instead they kind of Hover Beside the ship and can be Folded into the ship When necessary Okay. And then this is – and then there the thing that hasn't really been explained is how the ship is able to control them and maintain them near the ship the way they need to be in order to form the warp field, you know? So that hasn't really been explained just yet. Sure. Um And I think that's what's missing. Because otherwise – I mean, it looks cool, don't get me wrong, when you have the ship and then all of a sudden the nacelles seem to, like, appear out of nowhere. And right. then they're just kind of, like, hovering beside the ship, not attached or anything like that. Huh. But – it's just like okay. In order to maintain the warp field, though, like if anything was is even slightly out of alignment, one of those engines is going to go careening off into space. <laughs> There's nothing to hold it.
1: Yeah, at be, all. Yeah. They haven't
0: they haven't explained that part yet. Like, are you using tractor beams? Is there like some kind of magnet? Like, what is it that's <laughs> making it stay where it is? Right. They have not really explained that yet. But gotcha. it's interesting. It's interesting to look at. I'll give them that. It does look. Nice.
1: Yeah it, but, yeah, it definitely is. that a Star Trek has a unique look with the ships like that, um, and I, I want us to be clear that I think other sci-fi makes the same mistake. I think a lot of sci-fi wants the idea of a of a you know kind a, of a, a, a unique look. There's ships to have you know engines on the outside and to have them in in fun places and to have unique looks. Like Star Wars does this has this problem too. I would say. Uh, the the best example I think of a ship that almost seems to solve this issue but then doesn't are the Star Destroyers, which are like the main Star Wars Imperial ships. But the bridge sticks out the top of those wedge shaped, you know, ships. You know, the wedge shape would make more sense in terms of like you know the the, the engines are on the back and there's no part right. sticking out. And then there's the bridge literally That's sticking out up, the top. Right. And it's like, hey, attack me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, you're um, you're absolutely right, and they don't have any kind of shielding. So I mean, yeah, one exactly. good shot on that I thing, you've I've, destroyed I've, the entire power I've, base.
1: Since I've since I've noticed it, I've never can ignore it. Um, yeah, so
0: you're yeah. not. Yeah, you know what? I, there's a lot of ships that are like that, and it's yeah. like then when you and the crazy thing to me is like I'm now thinking of other uh, Star Trek ships, and then the ones that always that I gravitated towards later on for their design, and everything else, they. Eliminated those nacelles. They were way more compact. Yes. Intact Old. ships. And the reason and I was like it
1: up huh. is because you, know, you 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 had mentioned you tried to watch the Halo show and the Pillar of Autumn. Whenever I first saw the Pillar of Autumn, and again I never played Halo myself. I just watched people play it. I know the story. I never. But the Pillar of Autumn looks like a brick. It looks yeah. like a brick, which makes sense. A ship that is designed for defensive military purposes. It doesn't have. Parts sticking out, like mm. even Battlestar Galactica. I would say when they when they only oh, yeah. time they pull the 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 wing parts out, or for when they have the the, the ships, to launch the
0: Vipers. That's yes. it, and then it folds back in. Yeah, and then it's a compact, heavily shielded.
1: Right. Yeah. Just and the bridge. Yeah. Like Battlestar Galactica's bridge is not looking out into space. Like even TNG. You know, you have the or I guess just Star Trek. You have the bridge, but it's supposed to be on the very tippy top. Yeah. And like they have the screen. But you have, the, you have the feeling that, like, the bridge is really on the outside of the ship, almost. Yeah. It is the very tippy-top. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that, like, Battlestar Galactica or something like that, that the, the, the main control center is deep within the yeah, belly it's of like, the beast. Yeah, it's
0: like in the central circle, perfectly, you right. know, shielded from everything yes. in there. Yeah, I yeah. understand like what you Like a
1: submarine, like a submarine. It's still in the middle. I mean, you got, you know, submarines are long and thin, but... Uh, it's still in the center of the ship overall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just I have to critique it. This is a great episode to critique the designs of Star Trek ships. They look great. They're unique. They're you immediately recognize them, but they also look <laughs> like they are militarily dumb. Well, uh, <laughs> final. Hold <level>.
0: on, hold <laughs> on to those. Hold on to those points because uh, next season we we get a special treat, ah. and I, I can't wait for it to finally be revealed. Oh. And. Um, we we'll, we're, we're definitely gonna yeah. We will, because We 'cause we're gonna talk about it a lot. Okay, Great. so we will we'll get there. Don't get me excited, um, Perry. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? You just have to go ahead go ahead and go ahead and watch it. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. got access to Paramount Plus, which is where you can now find all Trek. <laughs> yeah. So uh go ahead and, and watch it. Um, speaking of which, some great news in the, in the world of Trek, um, the third season of Picard has, I mean, they finished it a long time ago, but they're finally now getting out the teasers, the trailers, the promos and so forth. And all of the original cast is back. Um, except for data, of course, data is not there, uh, but there's reasons for that. If you watch Picard, you would understand, but everybody's back, including, one character I have been waiting for for 25 years, Worf. Worf is back, and Worf looks like Worf, not this weird take on Klingons that we got in Discovery. Which, <laughs> as much as I enjoyed Discovery, that whole thing just ugh, Didn't awful. Some... The Klingons. I still love the Klingon stories, but it took a lot for me to watch it because those aliens, they were so ugly. I just that was a problem for me. Right. Um, but Worf is back, and Worf looks like Worf but older, and it works. It works, so I'm here for it. I cannot wait to see the cast back as right. older versions of their of their characters, of course, and see what this final entry into the into the Star Trek Picard story is. Yes, this is the third season; it's also the final season, so I'm really looking forward to that. Gotcha. Um, I think it's Strange, no, uh, Lower Decks comes back on August 25th. So we're just a month away from that show uh, coming back for its third season. So look forward to that. And then uh, there's already been murmurings about what season two of Strange New World is going to be like. Even though Strange New World is not slated to have its return until next year. Right. Um, but there's supposed to be a crossover episode between Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. So how they're going to do the live action with the animated show <laughs> as a true crossover, I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be fantastic. I can't I'm very even excited. imagine. I, I, I'm seriously, I've been like, how in the world are they going to do that? But I say all of that because there's, there's a lot of exciting things that are going on. But I say all that because there is one thing that I've found out about that if it happens... I, I, I can die a happy man. And this is that there have been talks, just talks now, but there have been talks to have Cisco come back. And I threw the moon excited. After the, after the end of Deep Space Nine, that was it. There's been no more Benjamin cisco's story. There's been nothing. And they said that, you know, they've been in talks that, and according to the thing that I read, the quote was, Cisco is a critical, critical part of everything that we're trying to do, so conversations have definitely been had. I, I, I mean, I know that's very minimal. Very vague. But for, a, but for a hardcore Benjamin Cisco fan, that is just, it's everything. I needed yeah. that. And so I'm just so excited. I want to see how it works. And I honestly feel like all the captains deserve in some way or another a a touch-up on their story, right? Something that kind of just updates us a little bit on on their endings. Because none of the captains really just truly end. We're just now kind of getting there with Picard, you know. But if you think about it, when all of their shows ended, there was, you know, still a lot of up-in-the-air possibilities for all of the captains. Right. So... To find out how they sailed into retirement or died or whatever it is, I, I'm all for it. So I really right. want to see that. And I think that Cisco has been heavily underappreciated over the intervening years.
1: Right. And
0: uh, I would really, really love to see him come back. But the story must do him justice. So please, right. if it happens, when it happens, please, please let the story be a great one to send him off with. Right. I would really love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. I have five more seasons of Deep Space Nine to fully appreciate <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm gonna win you over. I think that by the end of this, I think that uh, I will have you firmly in the camp that uh, Cisco Cisco's is a great, captain. yeah, great captain, great character. Just, all, well, I oh, I think yeah. you already agree he's a great character. But oh yeah, if I more so.
1: It's that they don't use enough of him so far. It, oh yeah. I mean, I'll save most of it for you know our recap next week of just how season two is. But yeah, it's like. Come on, we got to get that Cisco in there more. But yeah. Okay. We got to get all of them in there more. (laughs) Well.
0: Well, I think that's going to be it for us tonight. We've run over a little bit once again, um, but tune in next week when we do our wrap up, in which we recap, you know, both seasons one and two, and kind of set expectations for season three. Plus, we'll have a special guest for us uh, for you all joining us next week as well. So, tune in for all that. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can just search for us as the Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I happen to do it on Spotify. Until then, as always, find us on Facebook, Twitter, anywhere you do social medias, and we will catch you here next time. So until then, take care of yourselves.
1: Thanks, guys.